Amen. All right. Notice in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it says, Entering in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Right here we have a very clear passage. All of this here in the Sermon on the Mount, it's so clear what Jesus is trying to teach. I mean, just there's uh, it doesn't get any more simple. Okay, you realize straight is the gate, narrow is the way, broad is the way that leads to destruction. That's what most people are doing, right? We know better than to think that the majority is who we ought to follow. We know better than that. We have this verse that's clear in the Bible that everyone knows. Okay, now right after Jesus says this, notice the very first thing he says after that. He says, "Beware of false prophets." which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Now, right there is a very strong statement, okay? And what what I'm going to be preaching about tonight, I'm going to preach about how to identify a false prophet. And I'm going to say some things tonight that are really extreme, but I want to, I'm going to try to talk slow tonight because I'm telling you what what I'm about to say, it's, it's going to make some people mad at me. And that is not my goal. But I'm going to show you here that, I mean, we either believe the Bible or we don't believe the Bible. And Jesus here, he tells, he's telling these people he's preaching to, to beware of false prophets. And then what does he do? He tells them, now here's what I want you to look for. Here are some things I want you to look for so you can identify these false prophets. And I'm going to show you Someone who fits this to a T. And it will offend the daylights out of everybody. But the very fact that you are naturally going to be offended by what I'm going to say is further proof that Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. And I, I, I'm not, I, don't want to, I don't try to be offensive. I really don't. I want to be offensive, but I t- you need to hear me out on this. And I'm going to tell you at the end of this message why some of these things are going to are, are going to hurt when you first, might hurt when you first hear, hear it and might make you feel bad there's a reason for that and it's all clear right here in the scripture and if we either believe this or we don't believe it that's all there is to it and Jesus tells us how to identify a false prophet but before we get to that before we get to the things that Jesus specifically gave about identifying a false prophet, let's look at a few things, all right? Because he says, first, he mentions straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it, okay? Are most people right? Are most people saved? Are most people going to heaven according to this passage? Absolutely not. So what is the way that leads to life? Well, we all know that. Faith in Jesus Christ, right? Acts 16.31, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Where is the works than that? That's pretty simple, isn't it? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We must trust His works and not our own works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace He is saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. So you and I all know this. I'm preaching to the choir right now that it's not about works, but yet when it comes to false prophets, I'm going to show you immediately the things that are going to make you mad about what I say about a false prophet. 
And one of the things, the biggest thing people use to defend false prophets are their works. And you're going to, and when we read about a false prophet, it's going to blow your mind just how specific Jesus is. And it's like, how can people even miss this? It's amazing how blind people are. But you know what people do too? The very first verse we read in Matthew chapter 7, judge not that you be not judged. What everybody's going to want to say about this is don't judge. How dare you judge? How dare you judge? Well, if this means, if judge not there means we're never supposed to judge anything, then why did Jesus tell us in that same message to beware of false prophets? What does it mean to beware? We're, we're being wary of it. We're watching for it. Why did he tell us what things to look for? So we would judge and we would figure out if they are a false prophet or not. And when he's talking about not judging, he's talking about hypocritical judgment. That's what he was talking about there. Don't judge like a hypocrite. Don't go calling people out for their you know, little sins when you got this great big sin. You're a hypocrite. You get your act together first and then you can do this. But right here, we specifically have him basically telling us to judge when it comes to false prophets. Yet, so-called Christians today will get all bent out of shape for what I'm about to preach and accuse me of judging. And, but I'm supposed to. Okay? We are supposed to do this. And we see that in the Bible, you know, salvation is not about works. Won't get, works won't get you saved. Works do not prove that you are saved. Okay, Romans chapter 4 and verse 5, you know, but to him that worketh not, but believeth, his faith is counted for righteousness. Okay? And, we, and, we're not, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time just talking about that and proving to you that salvation is not by works. Proving to you that proof of salvation is not works. That proof of salvation is faith. Okay? That's where the proof of salvation is. So when it comes to the false prophet, it, it says in verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Okay? Sheep's clothing. Okay? What is this? This means, first off, we're not supposed to look, we're not supposed to judge them by their clothing. Okay? Because they're wearing sheep's clothing. What does that mean? It means they look right. They look the part. And, and, it, and it's not even just talking about how they dress. But even the things they say. They are going to say a lot of things that are right. They are going to get up and they are going to proclaim a lot of truth. A false prophet is not going to get up here behind the pulpit and say, you know what? The way to heaven is through the devil. Why would he do that? Okay? Nobody's going to fall for that. You know what they're going to do? A false prophet does. They come in the Bible says they privily bring in damnable heresies. They're going to tell you some truth, but you know what they do? They throw in a little bit of leaven. They throw in the leaven. Look what it's... So verse 15... Or um, look at, uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 6. So the sheep's clothing, it could be good doctrine that comes from their mouth. It could be some of the good things that you hear them say. They're wearing sheep's clothing. They've got some things on the outside, on the surface, that are good, but inwardly they're having wolves, the Bible says. And it says in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and I didn't put that in my notes, so I need to turn it. But that's where it says a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Okay? A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. So we've got to watch out 
when, the, when these false prophets, these wolves in sheep's clothing, the way we watch for them, the way we judge them, is we listen to their doctrine and we watch for the leaven. Because that leaven will leaven the whole lump. Look what it says in Matthew... Um, oh, keep losing my spot. So in, in verse 15, you know, it talks about you know, I have the sheep's clothing, but there's that inward part. We're trying to find out what they are on the inside. And you know, the sheep's clothing, it's, like I said, it's not even just about the physical apparel they wear. Because for example, politicians. Now we all know politicians are some of the scummiest people on the earth, Right? But have you ever noticed how they know exactly what to wear? Have you ever noticed, you know, the politician, whenever they are, uh, whenever they're visiting a uh, disaster area, you know, they always wear that commander in chief jacket, you know, that, you know, they just, they always are dressed to kind of look a certain part. Whenever they're on presidential, they're on a presidential campaign and they're going and speaking at all these different places, whenever they're speaking at the factories, they're still president. They still got to wear the white shirt and tie, but they always got their sleeves rolled up. You know, like there. Why do you have to roll up your sleeves while giving a speech? You know, it's all about image. And and these guys don't come up, but they got image consultants telling them every little thing to do and all that. But they, you know, they're trying to send us a message with their clothing. But the truth is, when it comes to politicians, it's not about how they dress; it's about how they operate. And same thing with a preacher. It's not even about how he dresses. It's about the doctrine that comes from his mouth. They're going to say a lot of things. They are going to have good works. Okay? They're going to have a lot of good things. And the false prophet I'm talking about tonight is, if you, you probably guessed it, the one who just went on, and that's Billy Graham. All right? And before you get bent out of shape at me, listen to what I had to say. Let's just look at the Bible. Let's just look at the facts. Okay? One thing that was often said about Billy Graham, and this is true as far as I know, there were never any scandals about that guy. You think about all the famous preachers that are out there, that there's always a financial scandal, a sex scandal, something like that. I don't know of anything like that with Billy Graham. I could be wrong. I might have just missed it. And I, I will tell you that I, I will agree with you. He was a good man. He, was a, he seemed, from what I understand, he seemed like a very good, moral, clean individual. I've, I've, never, heard anything, I've never heard anything bad about the man's works. I, I haven't. I, I, I don't know of anything. I don't know of anything bad that the guy has ever done. I can't think of any bad works of Billy Graham. But I can tell you about a lot of bad doctrine. A lot of bad leaven that was in his preaching. But, you know, we're, and we're supposed to spot the leaven. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. And we'll start reading in verse 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you that are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that that calleth you. 
a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. What was this leaven that was brought in? Well, specifically speaking in this case, it was the circumcision. In Acts, we read about a group of Jews that came along and they said, you must be circumcised. You must keep this law in order to be saved. That was a little leaven. And that little leaven leavened the whole lump. And y'all understand that if we add one law, and we, if we add one work as part of salvation, that person is not going to get saved. You know why? Because it's not a faith. And salvation is by faith. And so anybody who comes along and they add any works to salvation, do you understand while they might say a lot of good things about Jesus' death, while they might say a lot of good things about His burial and His resurrection, if they are adding any works, they've destroyed the entire plan of salvation. It's doing people absolutely no good whatsoever. Those people will still be lost and they will still be on their way to hell. You could go and you could preach a crystal clear message of salvation, all good, but let's just add in one thing. You've got to get baptized. Are those people going to get saved? No, because their faith is not in the work of Jesus Christ. It's in their baptism plus the work of Jesus Christ. You know what? They've fallen from grace. What is that? They didn't get there. They missed it. They came short. They missed the mark. Why? Because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And there are countless examples of his preaching where he would add things like that in there. And therefore, that leaven is, that's what we're supposed to watch for in a false prophet. And turn over to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 5. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 16. So we see here in Galatians that when it comes to salvation, again, it's not about works, it's about faith. And if you add works, you've fallen from grace, the Bible says. If you add works at all, you've fallen from grace. And watch, wait till you see where we're going with this because it just doesn't get any clearer. Matthew 16, verse 5. And when His disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, He said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Because ye have brought no bread. Do ye not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets he took up, neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, how many baskets he took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, what was their doctrine? Works. Works plus faith. Adding works to salvation. Jesus said, beware of that leaven. Why? Because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. What is the leaven that's getting added in? What's the leaven that's getting added into the message? It's works. Okay? And, you know, guys like Billy Graham, you'll, you'll hear them. You can find plenty of clips out there where they will say, it's not a works. It's not a, you, can, you can find those things. I've heard some examples of him giving good, good doctrine. But there's plenty of other places where the leaven's being put in. Well, what was that good doctrine all about? That's called the sheep's clothing. Okay? That's the sheep's clothing. That is what a wolf has to do in order to devour the sheep, in order to deceive the sheep. He's got to do some good stuff. He's got to have some good doctrine. But you've got to watch for that leaven. And Jesus said to watch for that and beware of that because that's how we spot the phonies. That's how we spot the wolves. And so, you know, 
when it comes to or, uh, when it comes to the leaven, it's here. It's just adding works to salvation. And you know, and so when you when you bring this stuff up, you know, you, you're going to offend everybody's grandma. Everybody's grandma went to the crusade. You know, everybody's grandma had that experience. You know, I don't care what your grandma said. I care about what Jesus said. And this is what happens when you go and you bring up the doctrine and you say, "Hey, Jesus." Jesus told us to beware. He told us what to watch for. He said to watch out for their doctrine. And you bring those things up. What does everybody do? They pounce on you. They judge you for judging. And then they bring up, what is it? They don't bring up his doctrine. They bring up his works. They bring up his works. But let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. And let's go ahead and let's read a few more verses where Jesus is talking about identifying the false prophets. He said, you shall know them by their fruits. Well, look at, man, look at his fruits. Look at all those good works. Look at all the things that he did. Is that the fruit? Is that what fruits are? Are fruits works? Didn't he just tell us to beware of false prophets? Didn't he tell us in verses 13 and 14, you know, straight is the gate and narrow the way. Wasn't he, Jesus, constantly warning about the leaven of the Pharisees which was their doctrine, which was a works-based doctrine. So why would he tell us we'll know them by their fruits, and then all of a sudden the fruits is now works? He's been telling us not to look at those things. And let's keep on reading that, and it'll prove to you that the fruits are not works. It says in, so verse uh, 16, so know them by the fruits, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, and neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. And everybody's going to want to talk about works. Everybody's want, they, they will read this and they will talk about works. Preachers will get up in churches and they'll preach that. And they'll talk about how these people aren't saved. Why? Because of their works. They bring up their works. But the, and they'll use that verse there by their fruits you should know them. And then they will talk about works. But let's read the next verses. Verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. What are they doing? Lord, Lord. Are they not professing Christ? Are they not calling to Jesus? But let's look and see what they say. Have we not prophesied in thy name? That's a work. In thy name cast out devils? That's a work. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Jesus didn't say your works aren't they're not wonderful. The people that are standing before him, these phonies, these false prophets, these are people that are professing their wonderful works. And he's saying, Depart from me. You're a worker of iniquity. Why? Because we're not saved by works. That's not how a person gets into heaven. Our works are sinful. The way you get to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what? I listened to a preacher today crying like a little baby because of preachers like me who will say that other people are not saved. But what these people can't figure out, what they're just, they're too, they can't see from all the tears in their eyes that the truth, we're not judging these people by their works. 
were doing it by their doctrine, which is exactly what Jesus told us to do. This is exactly what he said to do. But when you bring up somebody like Billy Graham, everybody's going to they, they start flipping out. And what? look at all he did. Look at his wonderful works. Look at all the people he preached to. Look at all that he did. What does it say right here? After it talks about watching out for false prophets, he's telling us that they are going to talk about their wonderful works. When did all of a sudden we decide that salvation is by works? When did all of a sudden we decide that proof of salvation is by works? Well, I know where a lot of that came from. It came from preachers reading these passages here about fruit and deciding that it's works because they failed to read the next verses. But it's not about works. You know what this fruit is? It's going to be the doctrine. Because how do we get people saved? How do we get people saved? Do we get saved by lifestyle evangelism? By just being such good, smiley, happy people that everybody just looks at us and man, look at that smile. Look how happy they are. Look how blessed they are. I want what they've got. I want to be like them. And they just come running to us and just begging us for what we got. And then they just get saved. Has that ever happened to any of anybody in here? It hasn't happened to me. Maybe I don't smile enough. All right? you know, maybe the Lord hasn't blessed me enough. You don't get saved by that. You know how we get people saved? Is it by us getting them to go to church, getting baptized, by changing their life? Absolutely not. guy that just got saved today, what, what did he talk about? He talked about back when he changed his life. And we told him, hey, that's not what salvation is all about. And he, he got it. He understood it. It's not about works. What is it that gets a person saved? It's faith in Christ. Faith in Christ is what gets a person saved. And you understand, when we went out and we preached the gospel, when we gave, gave them some good doctrine, they got saved without works. They got saved by faith. And what the Word of God says. So, and where were the works? There were no works. Why do we say the man got saved? Because he professed faith in Christ. He called on the Lord for salvation. And we believe he is saved. And it would be foolish for us to judge whether or not he's saved off of his works when the Bible tells us not to do that. When the Bible tells us people are going to stand before Jesus and talk about their works, and he's going to say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Because even on our best day, I told him, you know, even though you've changed, and even though God has done a work in your life, you know, there's a work been done in your life, there's been a change, there's been a reformation, you're still sinful. You still come short of the glory of God on your best day. And you must have faith in Christ. You must accept the free gift that is without works. But that's not what's being taught by a lot of these false prophets. They say it sometimes. They will say it sometimes, but there are plenty of examples of them throwing in the leaven. And I don't even have time to go into all the examples of the leaven. I don't have time to go into all the examples of him talking about you know Muslims and all these other people getting to save, going getting to heaven without Jesus. There is no salvation outside of Jesus. But yet he would say that when he was before popes, when he was before politicians, when he was before the news media. Now, when he'd get around a bunch of believers, he'd say it right. But then, but even then, sometimes if you listen much, a lot of times you'll find those little things on there, that little leaven. And if we can get them doing any work, 
any work, it leavens the whole lump. There's no salvation. It's got to be total faith in Christ without works. And so we're not supposed to look at their works. We're supposed to look at their fruits. And their fruit is not going to be, well, I know this person that went to a crusade and got saved, and man, their life just was transformed. I mean, they became the best Christian. They did this. They did that. Whoa. So it's about works again? Why aren't we talking about their doctrine? Why don't we talk about what they're professing? Why don't they talk about their their faith? And I don't hear that from these people. The ones that I run into, I don't hear that. Notice though how you know these people stand before Jesus. They called him Lord. They called Jesus Lord. You know these crybaby preachers. They get all bent out of shape. Well, you know they, you know they profess Jesus. They said they believe in Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what a false prophet would say. So how are we supposed to know? Jesus told us, you know, beware of the leaven, which is it's their doctrine. We're going to pay attention to their doctrine. And if some guy gets up and he says he's a Baptist, he says he's King James. If you want to be a false prophet in a fundamental Baptist church, and for some reason it's like we think Satan is just going to skip the fundamental Baptist churches. And these are the first places the devil would try to infiltrate. But yet, some guy can come along. You can have your Sam Gibson people like him come along. He wears a suit and tie. He's got a King James Bible. He defends the King James Bible. He preaches, you know, he'll preach a decent salvation message. But then let's listen to his doctrine. Let's, li- let's listen to him start talking about dispensationalism. Let's listen to what he says about Old Testament salvation. And when you hear the man's doctrine, it's full of leaven. And the truth is, it, that's supposed to be the identifier to us that this is, in fact, a false prophet, someone that we should not listen to. But, oh, he's a nice guy. Bringing up his works again. You know, he supports 20-some missionaries. I forgot what it is. I don't know how I forgot. I've heard him mention it several times. You know, look at his many wonderful works. Well, what did Jesus say about those? You know, saying, Lord, Lord, he, he calls them, you know, he professes Jesus, but by their fruits, he shall know them. Let's listen to his doctrine and it's bad doctrine. And he, and so it, it doesn't get any clearer than this. You know, they may, you know, these people too. And I think a lot of these people from the Billy Graham crusades did this. They even made Jesus Lord of their life. That's a common thing you'll hear. You've got to make Him Lord of your life. What does that mean? I'm going to do everything He says to do. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to make Him Lord of my life. Well, that's wonderful. You ought to make Jesus Lord of your life. But you understand you don't get saved by obeying His commandments. You get saved by trusting in His work and accepting the free gift. But yet, we, Billy Graham was one that was known for that. Teaching people, you know, you've got to make Jesus Lord of your life. Well, once again, I'm 100% for that. But that won't save you. Because we're not saved by works. That's another example of leaven that came from that man. And people say that all the time. People repeat those things all the time. Not even understanding what they're saying. Not even realizing it is a bad doctrine. But yet, at the same time, you can see how that leaven has spread into churches. Churches that have accepted that kind of junk and have, and have gone along with him and are, were afraid to call him out. But this is, this is why Billy Graham believed some people would go to heaven without believing on Jesus. And it was because he believed good Muslims and good Jews would go to heaven. 
Oh man, if they're just following God in their heart, you know, and they're doing the best and searching for God, you know, in other words, if they're doing good, obviously the Muslims blowing people up and, you know, all that, you know, they're not going to. But, you know, the other ones, well, the ones who are trying to be good, who are trying their best, you know what that tells me? You know what that kind of doctrine tells me? Works based. Works based. Therefore, that, that, the, there's the leaven that leavens the whole lump. But here's another thing, too. In this right here, if this doesn't prove the man is a false prophet, then you know what? Uh, there, there's nothing. You know, it's like, you know, God Himself could come down and say, right here is a phony. But He did better than that. I mean, He gave us His Word and just gave us clear description of a phony, of a false prophet. Look what it says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 26. And we're just going to forget about this one, I guess. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to who? The false prophets. Okay, now, here, here's just a few examples, alright? And this is interesting, okay? These are some tweets by some well-known individuals, alright? Joel Osteen, he's a great hero of the faith, right? You know, Billy Graham has always been and always will be a hero in our home. That's... That in, in my, I don't think that scores points when Joel Osteen singing your praises. Kathy Lee Gifford. Rejoicing with my precious friend Billy Graham. Without a doubt, the finest man I ever knew works. She stated, so grateful that I am among the millions that he led to faith in Jesus and the promise of eternal life. When did she start? You know, when did she become a Christian? When did that happen? You know, Kathy Lee Gifford. All right, so we, you know, we got the preacher world. We got the news media. Donald Trump, all right? Now, Donald Trump's safe because he's a Republican, right? Uh, that's the way these Baptists ask, act. The great Billy Graham is dead. All capital letters in great. There is nobody like him. He will be missed by Christians and all religions. A very special man. Now, I agree with that, except for fundamental Baptists. He will be missed by all religions. You know why? Because the man was an ecumenicalist. He was all about bringing all the religions together. And he, he wasn't about bringing all people together in faith in Jesus Christ. He was about bringing all religions together. That was what he was known for. That was what he stood for. And Baptists preached against my whole life, 80s, 90s, even in the 2000s growing up, I never heard a good thing said about Billy Graham from behind a pulpit. But I'm seeing fundamental Baptists now praising the guy on Twitter. I'm seeing other ones scared to death to say anything about him. You know why? Because we, they, have turned into a bunch of pansies. Scared to death of the news media. But look at what it says. Woe on you when all men speak well of you. You know what they're doing with Billy Graham's body? They are honoring him, putting his body in the Capitol Rotunda. I mean, when Republicans... And Democrats, yeah, Barack Obama, I forgot to read Barack Obama. So we got Republicans and Democrats, Barack Obama. Billy Graham was a humble servant who prayed for so many and who with wisdom and grace gave hope and guidance to generations of Americans. So we've got Republicans, we've got Democrats. They all love them. Everybody loves them. The news media loves them. All the heretic preachers love them. Everybody loves the guy. Something's wrong. When you're getting honored like that in our United States Capitol, that ought to be a huge red flag to some people. Jesus said, Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers of the false prophets. What more evidence do we need? 
what more evidence do we need than all these people? I just, and there are so many more that all are praising the man. Do we not believe the Bible? I mean, I just want to I want to scream when I see these people. I got Christians getting mad at me because I posted a clip where I'm saying something, you know, stuff about Billy Graham. And they're just, oh, I can't be you know, what this man's full of venom. You know, how dare he just, say all these things? And I'm like, have you ever read Matthew seven in your life? Are you people completely insane? What is wrong? Nobody fits the profile better than Billy Graham. Jimmy Swagger doesn't fit the profile better. That guy, you know, he didn't wear very good sheep's clothing. He was too obvious with his Pentecostal doctrine, with his, you know, his scandals and things he had. You know, Joel Osteen isn't even, he's not wearing sheep's clothing. I know he still preaches in a suit, but his, he doesn't even have any doctrine. The man has nothing. He just has a big, creepy smile is all the guy's got. He's not a good false prophet. But man, I'm telling you, Billy Graham fits it to a T. I mean, the false prophet of false prophets from our generation that fits Matthew 7 better than any other man I have ever met in my entire life. And, and, and proof of his bad fruit are the people that are defending him and praising him. And what are they? They're not defending his doctrine. I haven't heard anybody try to defend his doctrine. What do they do? They talk about his works. And that makes sense. You know why? Because a corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit. And that's not good fruit right there, my friends. That is bad fruit right there. And so people do. They try, they talk, try to talk about how Christ-like he was. And how he was the greatest Christian since the Apostle Paul. I'm telling you, folks, the ignorance, the just the pure ignorance of that. See, Billy Graham died at age 99 living on a mansion on a hill in North Carolina. Jesus died on a cross at the age of 33. Jesus, when he died on the cross, or while he's dying on the cross, he's being spit on, he's being railed on, he's being falsely accused of things. Billy Graham's getting the daylights praised out of him. He's getting declared sainthood by everybody. How is that like Christ? They try to compare him to the Apostle Paul. Yeah, because you know what? The Apostle Paul, he stood before kings too, didn't he? He witnessed the kings, didn't he? But not like Billy Graham. Billy Graham did it in honor. Billy Graham got before kings through compromise. You know how the Apostle Paul stood before them? In chains. In chains. You know why? Because he's being persecuted by these kings. He's being thrown in prisons by these kings. But the kings of the world, from all these different religions, they praise the man. And they honor the man. And, and then Christians today, you know, they'll bring up the fact that, you know, he witnessed the kings. He's the, for kings, he's like the Apostle Paul. No, he wasn't. He was being honored. The Apostle Paul is putting put on trial. How is he anything like these men? What Bible are they reading? What, where, where does this come from? I'm telling you folks, I'm seeing this stuff this week. And I've, I heard all my life about these days coming and it's like, it can't get that bad. It's that bad. It is that bad. It's like Baptists have just completely lost their minds. How am I the crazy one? I'm just preaching. I'm just saying what I heard Baptist preachers say my whole entire life. And I'm the bad guy for this. This is ridiculous. He was. He, Billy Graham was loved by the world. Received the highest honors. Listen to this. I just, I just saw this. I didn't know this. 
Okay? So, Republicans, Democrats, kings of the earth, all the different religions, the news media, all praising him. And you know who else loved him? Hollywood. He has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Hollywood didn't even have a problem with this guy. Tell me how that doesn't make him a false prophet right there. Everybody loved the guy. Everybody, the most wicked, vile people, the most messed up false religions loved the guy. Why? Because he was a false prophet. And if you don't believe, just rip Luke 6.26 out of your Bible. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than that. So, he, he, you know, compromise. Compromise is what got him where it was. Compromise is what got him before kings. And, he, and when he stood before kings, it was an honor. Completely different. Man, I'm telling you, I'm getting mad. I get mad when I hear people comparing him to the Apostle Paul. There is no comparisons, my friend. There is nothing even close. Those two do not resemble each other in any way at all. Billy Balaam Graham got that he, he deserves that Balaam because he gone he's gone the way of Balaam. Went the way of Balaam. Love the wages of unrighteousness. Love the promotion and the great honor. And there is no greater success in the way of Balaam than that man right there. I mean, 100% successful. Jesus, he was poor. Billy Graham was rich. Very rich. Billy, and so, in false, uh, look at Second Peter chapter 2, verse 12. That's where we see the way of Balaam. Look at what it says. We've we got to decide if we're going to start believing this Bible or we're just going to go with the flow and get along with everybody and just see how popular we can become. Second Peter 2, 12. But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blameless sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with the tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is preserved forever. Now, that's some pretty strong language right there that the Bible says. But he says they, 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 these people have gone the way of Balaam. They love that pleasure, or they love that promotion. They love that honor. And you know what? He got it. He got, but look at what the Bible says. This is how God sees people like that. The world sees them as wonderful. The world loves them, but God sees them completely different. And this man, to get that honor, said he is a leader in the ecumenical, or was a leader of the ecumenical movement. Did more to bring all the religions together. That's one of the things they're praising him for. This man did more to bring the religions of the world together than any man ever. That's a big sign that he's a false prophet. That's a big sign that this isn't somebody that we ought to be listening to and somebody that we couldn't honor. Because listen, what did, now what else did Balaam do? What was it that Balaam did? If you go, we're not going to go back and read the whole story, but Balaam, he could not curse the people of God. Okay? He couldn't do it. He did not have the ability to curse the people of God. So you know what he did? He got them to commit fornication with the Moabites. He's like, you know what? I can't curse these people 
But if I can get them to join up with a wicked people, then they will get corrupted and God will have to judge them. And that is exactly what happened. Balaam got them to join up with wicked people and God ended up punishing them. And that is exactly what Billy Graham did. He got good churches. He got good preachers to come together with wicked people, with wicked doctrine. And you know what it did? It has destroyed many religions. Many churches that were preaching the truth are no longer preaching the the truth. And so Billy Graham, he succeeded. He succeeded in his mission in many ways. And he helped destroy many religions. So So here's the thing in closing. Why is it that even Baptists are so sensitive about criticism of Billy Graham? There's a reason. There's a reason for that. Even even though for years I, I I've never heard positive things said about him from uh, from Baptist pulpit, but now so things, we've entered the twilight zone or something, and things have just changed, freaking me out. But you know, here here's why. We have been convinced by the news media. We watch way too much news. Okay, we call them Fox News Baptists all the time. We have been convinced by the news media that he represents conservative Republican evangelical Christians. And so, you know, anybody saying something bad about Billy Graham, you're saying something bad about everybody. My wife, she said something about him, and she got called a leftist. Alright? Because, yeah, if you're against Billy Graham, you must be like some left-wing, wacko, atheist Democrat. That, that's what we've been told. Once again, the false right-left paradigm that were, that's introduced to us all the time. And Christians have fallen for that, and they have been convinced by the news media that they are in his group. They, they have been convinced that Billy Graham represents them. That man does not represent me. I have nothing in common with that man. And Christians today are desperate to be liked. They, they want it so bad. They're so tired of the negative attention. And so they see everybody praising Billy Graham and it gives them, gives them a good feeling. I want to be part of that. I want to get in on that. And they're just desperate to be liked. But here's, you know, here's a newsflash. The world is no good and neither are you. Okay? The truth is, you aren't even worth hating. That's what, that's what we see in the Bible. Turn over to John 7, verse 7. The truth is, they hate the one that you profess faith in. Okay? John 7, 7, The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Y'all see that? I testify the works thereof are evil. He said the world cannot hate you. Why would it hate us? Okay? Now, I don't care how good you think you are. Are you any better than the world? You still deserve to go to hell just like everybody else. So what's the difference? What is the difference between us who are sinners and the world who are sinners? Faith in Christ. That's the only difference, folks. That's it. And therefore... If the world is hating on us, it's not because of our works. It's because of the one that we profess faith in. Because faith in Christ is what actually makes the difference. So they don't hate us. They hate Christ. And they can't help but hate Christ. And is is anyone here dumb enough to believe that the devil is going to let him get away with, you know, millions of people being saved. You know, Billy Graham, you're going to let him get away with mil- getting millions of people saved and not say anything bad against him? 
every true prophet in the Bible, we're constantly being lied about. Okay? It's like, well, you know, we've got to abstain from all appearance of evil. I agree with that. You know, we've got to watch our testimony. I agree with that. You know, we don't want false accusations. We don't want our reputation to get hurt. I agree with all that. We want to do all we can. But Jesus was perfect. And look at how much stuff was said about Him. Look at all the you know, false accusations that were thrown His way. I don't remember that ever happening with Billy Graham. How is it that no, you know, no mud was ever flung His way? Why would the devil do that? Why would the devil you know, go after his best man that he's got? His, I mean, most deceptive, most successful false prophet. The devil's not going to let him get away with that. The devil always goes after the good guys. Lies are always hurled at the good guys. And so, you know, that, that's the thing we've got to realize. You know, we do. We get all bent out of shape and it's like we've been convinced anybody that's against Billy Graham is just against all Christians. You know, and, and, and yeah, there's going to be some weirdo liberal people out there they can interview. That, you know, Billy Graham didn't say enough good stuff about Jews or good enough you know, about Muslims. You know, and then we're told that's the opposition. Those are the people that's getting, well, I don't want to be associated with those weirdos. And then all of a sudden, we just instinctively, we want to defend them, don't we? And Christians, man, we, they're falling right into that stuff. But most church, and so, but another reason many Baptists are very sensitive about criticism of Billy Graham is most churches, they have Billy Graham converts in them. And I, don't, I, I believe there's people that got saved in these crusades. But I'm going to show you how to tell the difference. Okay, there's a way to tell the difference. So, here's how we can tell, alright? So, if we have a church, we got a bunch of Billy Graham converts in there. Okay? And I get up, and I start preaching a message like this. You know, when they defend him, what are they going to defend? Are they going to defend his doctrine or his works? Are they going to talk about, no man, he told me, I can get saved just by faith in Christ. No works. They never, they never talk about that. The, the ones I've talked to. What do they do? They, they want to talk about His works. They want to talk about all the good things He did. They're not defending His doctrine. You know why? Because they didn't get good doctrine from the man. All right? And what's good doctrine? You know, good doctrine is that salvation is simply by faith in Christ. They didn't get that from Him. And when these people get offended, you know, they're defending His, his works. And if they defend His works... You've probably got a false convert on your hand. Oh, no, these are good people. These people come to church all the time. They tithe. They do this. But do they profess faith in Christ? Oh, yeah, this is... But no. Let's look at their doctrine. Do we have some leaven in there? You know, what, what is it they're saying? What is it they, what is it they believe? Let's look at the doctrine. But most people today, they'll see that good Billy Graham convert in their church that's giving their money, that sweet old lady that writes her checks every week, comes to church all the time, but she's never professed faith in Christ. She's never asked for the free gift of salvation. She thought she got saved because she went and she had a religious experience at one of these crusades. And you know, and Billy Graham crusades, one thing they did, it gave people memorable religious experiences. Okay? Imagine what that would be like going into a stadium full of people. All Christians. They got Christian music playing. You know, people around praying. And then they go and he preaches that message. This bigger in life character that everybody knows. 
this famous person, he gets up there and preaches and he gets done and the music starts and man, we got to go to the altar. You know, the music's going, the people are singing, women are crying, Pentecostals are speaking in tongues. You know, and that, those things would all be going on in these crusades. And man, you go down there and they got the people, altar workers all ready to go. And it would be a moving and an emotional experience to be a part of something like that and something that big. But what is it these people all want to talk about when you say, I think that guy was a devil. I think that man was a false prophet. They don't talk about the doctrine that he taught them that got him saved. They don't want to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. They want to talk about their experience they had. Oh, I just got so overwhelmed. Oh, it was just so amazing. It was so wonderful. I mean, I cry my eyes out. This, I mean, that. That's, that's just an emotional experience. I want to hear you profess faith in Jesus Christ. And that's not what they're doing. And they're doing a lot of works. They're doing many wonderful works. You know why? Because people reproduce fruit after their kind. And so these false prophets, they're going to say, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works? Their people, their fruit, they're going to do many wonderful works. But Jesus is going to tell the same thing to those people that He told to the false prophets, depart from Me. Ye that work iniquity. And so right there, that's the reality of what it is. It's that, it's, it's that clear. Jesus spelled it out. And I can't think of another man in the world that fits the profile that is spelled out crystal clear in the Bible than Billy Graham. And yet, and I don't, I get the charismatics getting mad at me and all the, I get, I get all the other religions in the world getting mad at me. I get it. And I, I don't bat an eye at that. I fully expect that. Well, what? Because the man was an ecumenicalist. He was all about bringing all the religions together. But when so-called independent fundamental Baptists who supposedly believe in faith alone in Jesus Christ for salvation get all bent out of shape and are defending the man because of his works and could care less about all the leaven that was, came from that man's doctrine... I'm now scratching my head and wondering what's going on. I'm now wondering what's wrong. And we've got to watch for these things. And this kind of thing, folks, this, this, ain't gonna make, this isn't going to make me the most popular church in town. This isn't going to make people feel good. But, oh, we're here to, I'm here to preach the Bible. And that's all there is to it. And I can't think of, uh, more, you know, I'm supposed to teach you the Word of God. Here's what the Bible says. Here is a perfect example. And I, I can't think of a better one. And so I hope that I uh, hope this was a help. I hope it was clear. I hope you understand it. And I hope you will beware of false prophets. Watch for that doctrine. And remember, it's about faith in Christ. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the, instru- the clear instructions that you've given us, Lord. You've left it... Uh, very easy, Lord, if we'll just swallow our pride, if we'll forget about being popular and just take Your Word for what it says. Uh, I pray You'll help us to do that and just um, just rely on it and just forget about the world. Help us to remember the, the first thing we saw in that passage that broad is the way that leads to destruction. Help us to get scared when we find ourselves with the masses and with the majorities and help us to realize that narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. And I just pray that you'll bless each one here. In your name we pray. Amen.